open our Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. We'll continue with our study of Ruth this morning. Ruth chapter 3. We'll start at verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with those whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee. Get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. Thou shalt go in, uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman laid his feet, and he said, Who art thou? She answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore the skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou, the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at the feet until the morning. She rose up before one could know another, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, laid it on her, and she went to the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? She told her all that the man had done to her, and she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. I want to preach on this thought this morning, Redemption changes everything. Now, if you go back to Ruth chapter 1, let me refresh your memory on what is happening in the story. Elimelech and his family had gotten out of God's will. They'd left Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread. They'd traveled down to Moab, planning to sojourn there. But 10 years later, they were still there outside of God's will. Elimelech dies and her two boys, uh, Naomi's two Sons who had also married Moabite girls, they also died. And Naomi hears that God had visited his people back in Bethlehem, Judah. She decides to return. She asks her two daughter, uh, daughters-in-law if they want to return. Orpha uh, went back. Ruth accompanies her to Bethlehem, Judah. When they get to the city, you've got to understand they're experiencing great poverty. They have absolutely nothing. She's bitter with the consequences that she's had to pay Ruth goes out to glean in the field simply to help them survive. And now we get to chapter 3. 
Naomi knows that Ruth is gleaning in the field of a kinsman redeemer. Now let me explain what that means. In Israel, land was extremely important. This was God's land. This was meant and given as an inheritance to Israel, and that was an eternal inheritance. And here's what God told them, Leviticus chapter 25. He said, if you have problems, and if you're experiencing hardship and poverty, and if you're forced to sell the land, you can sell it, but it needs to be sold to someone that's a near kinsman. It needs to be sold to someone in the family. And basically, more than a sell, it's actually a lease of the land, because in the year of Jubilee, which happened every 50 years, that land would be returned to the rightful owner. So that land may have been sold only for a five-year period or maybe for a 48-year period, depending on when the year of Jubilee fell. Some sold it only to have it recovered a year later. But in this case, Ruth and Naomi knew they were going to lose that land. She was going to have to sell simply to survive. She didn't have a husband. Ruth didn't have a husband. They couldn't work the field. They couldn't plant, sow, or harvest. And so she was going to have to sell the land. And here's what Naomi did. Naomi said, Ruth, she's prodding her. Ruth, you need to help yourself out here. You've been gleaning in that field for months. Now, let me just say this. Some would ask, what took Boaz so long to propose? What took Boaz so long to offer himself as the kinsman redeemer? Well, that choice was left up to Ruth. Ruth was the one that had to take the initiative. And let me just say, for those of you that are not familiar with the customs of the Near East and the customs of this day, there was nothing improper that was done in this chapter. They'd gone through the period of the harvest. At the end of the harvest, they would all get together on the threshing floor and they would sing songs and they would eat and they'd have a feast. And then they would spend the night out there on the threshing floor, laying in a circle around that harvest, protecting it from thieves, having their feet pointing outward. And what she did, after being prodded by her mother-in-law, she went out there and laid at his feet in a very public place, very carefully. But when he was awakened at night, realizing there was someone at his feet, when he said, hey, identify yourself, she said, cover me with that skirt. She was saying, I want you to be my kinsman redeemer. But that was her choice. Now, we're talking about redemption. We're talking about Bible typology. Now, there's no perfect typology in all the Bible, but there is beautiful typology, and that's what Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz are in this story. Boaz being a type of Jesus Christ, our redeemer. Ruth being a type of the sinner. But as she lays there at his feet, she had to ask him to invite him to be her redeemer. Let me say it's the same way with us and Christ. The Christ will not force himself upon any man, but offers them the opportunity to be redeemed. The only problem is man needs to be prodded. Naomi was in her life prodding her. Now look at the question that Naomi asked. Ruth, in verse 1 and verse 2, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? She said, Listen, we have nothing. We're living in poverty. You're, you have to go out and glean in the fields, but the harvest will soon be past. What will we do then just to survive? I have to sell my fields. But there's a solution here. That solution is found in the Redeemer. That rest is found in the Redeemer. 
Let me say this, you will not find rest. This world won't find rest. No man can find rest outside of redemption. Have you noticed how desperate this world is for rest? The pills that they take to calm their nerves. Everyone's addicted to some kind of pill. If it's not that, it's alcohol or drugs, vacation. Everyone thinks they can find rest in something outside of Jesus Christ. That is impossible. And she said, I'm seeking rest for thee, that it may be well with thee. She's basically, verse 2, she asks, and now it's not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens I was. Listen, there's a solution here. Why aren't you seeking this man and seeking a kinsman redeemer? Why aren't you busy searching for that? Months had passed. And you know it's in the back of Boaz's mind. You know that Ruth was interested. But it took some prodding. Aren't you glad that there was someone prodding you? In my case, it was a parent. But in your case, it may have been a relative, a friend, another Christian that God had put in your life. And they were prodding you and pushing you towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Why we were hesitant, I don't know. Aren't you glad after you got saved, you got born again, you got redeemed? You said, thank God for the persistence and the patience of that friend that was pushing me towards my Redeemer. And that's what happens. Nothing now... Nothing improper happens. He actually says, I art a virtuous woman. But she reaches out to Boaz as her kinsman redeemer. Let me just say this. I believe one of the reasons that Ruth waited so long was she felt very unworthy. You have to understand, she was not ignorant of what was going on. She was not ignorant of Jewish history. She was not ignorant of Jewish laws. She knew as a Moabitess that... A Moabite couldn't come into the tabernacle of the Lord for 10 generations. She knew she was unworthy of this man. And she thought in her heart, there's no way he'll want to redeem me. But he did. Aren't you glad knowing that you're unworthy? Christ is still willing to redeem you. So she prepares herself. Verse 3, she's told, wash thyself, anoint thyself. Put thy raiment upon thee. So she prepares herself. She goes out to meet Boaz and to seek his redemption. And let me say this. This all happened in a very public place. And here's what most people don't like about salvation. Redemption. The message is preached. The truth is told. Conviction sets in. The sinner understands that Christ is willing and able and capable to redeem them from their sin. But they're sitting there knowing, I'm going to have to respond. This is very public. This is embarrassing. I'm not worthy. And that choice becomes a difficult choice. Now I want to ask you something. Although Ruth was without hope, although Ruth knew the only way she could go from rags to riches was through Boaz... She still knew that to go up there to that threshing floor, there were a lot of people there. That was very uncomfortable. She was a virtuous woman. And to lay at a man's feet, all of that was very uncomfortable for Ruth to do. You know what kept many of you from getting saved the first time you heard the gospel? You are uncomfortable with the setting. You're uncomfortable with the threshing floor. You're uncomfortable with everything involved. You, you were hoping the boys would just come quietly, knock on your door in a private place and say, let's get married. But no, you had to take the initiative to step out and uh, seek the Redeemer. Now, 
here's the good part. After that, everything, when we're talking about redemption, was on Boaz's shoulders. The work of redemption totally depended upon Boaz. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that our redemption totally depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ? He was overjoyed. Look what it says in verse 10. He said, Blessed be thou. He was happy with her decision, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter than in the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And here's what men are seeking today. They're seeking a different redeemer. They're looking a different direction. They're looking for something more attractive, more appealing, less humiliating. And he said, Blessed be thou. He said, I, I am old, I'm not attractive, there are better suitors out there. You could have been drawn, or had your attention drawn away by someone else. He wanted to be her redeemer. He said, thank God you didn't follow after young men, whether poor or rich. He was happy and he said, verse 12, now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. How about there's a kinsman nearer than I. Now, let me just say this. Let me explain for a few minutes what it took to be a kinsman redeemer. Three things. Number one, you had to be a near kinsman, a blood relative. Number two, you had to be able. Number three, you had to be willing. And he knew, he said, I would like to be your redeemer, but there is someone who is nearer than I. He said, I'm willing and I'm able. I have the money, I have the resources. Matter of fact, he had enough petty cash. This man obviously had some wealth because he didn't say, I'll go set up some kind of payment plan. He said, I've got enough petty cash in my pocket to pay for this land and redeem. Now, we're talking about three things here. We're talking about land, a lady, and a legacy. Because we're going to see in just a minute in the next chapter that he knew, okay, according to Leviticus chapter 25, he said, this land needs purchased. This land needs redeemed. I'm willing to do that. But he also knew because Ruth did not have a husband, he would have to marry her. And then he would have to, the goal was to have a child so that there would be a legacy left. There would be a name left in Israel in that land. But he said, there is someone nearer than I. So here's what he, he does. He sends her home, chapter 4, verse 1, then went Boaz. Immediately the next day, he said, I want to get this taken care of. He goes down to the city gate. Now, why did he go there? That was like the, the courthouse. That's where official business was done back in the day. This was the same gate that saw Elimelech depart years earlier, saw the return of Naomi and Ruth, saw the bitterness on her face. And now... We're seeing something different take place. Boaz wants to redeem her, verse 2. So when Boaz up to the gate, he sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. Look at that. What a coincidence. He knew there was someone that was closer of kin, which most likely means that Boaz was probably a cousin to Elimelech, and there was a living brother. So he's sitting there trying to get some witnesses together to do business and see if he can redeem Ruth. And sure enough, here comes the nearest of kin walking by. I love the wording of the scripture. Look what it says. Oh, such a one. So here comes such a one. It doesn't name him. And we're going to see why in just a minute. 
But he calls out, you see the anxiousness. Now, let me just say this about Boaz. He wasn't just willing to redeem her. He was anxious to make this happen. And he says, oh, such a one. Turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So he took 10 men of the elders of the city. He said, sit you down here. And they sat down. And then he goes to explain to him, listen, Naomi is back in town. Naomi has some land. Look what he says in verse 3. And he said to the kinsman, Naomi, that has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. Now, he's in a hurry. He, he's not chewing the fat here. He's not beating around the bush. He gets right to the point of the matter. And he says, there's some land and I want to know this land is very nice land, good farming land, and it needs to be redeemed. And she's a member of our family, and you know the Levitical law. Tell me what you think. If thou will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. But Boaz wasn't giving up that easy. He said, hold on for a second. I want you to remember this doesn't just involve land. Verse 5, then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess. He throws that in. He said, hold on for a second. Do you remember Ruth, the girl that came back with Naomi from Moab? This is a package deal. This isn't just about good farming land. Here's what this other redeemer wanted, something that would actually benefit himself and cost him nothing. He said, no. He said, the day thou buyest the field, it includes a young lady from Moab, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon the inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. He backed out pretty quickly. Hold on for a second. I want the lamp. But if it includes that Moabitess girl, I'm out. Look what it says, lest I mar mine own inheritance, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning the redeeming, concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, gave it to his neighbor. This was a testimony to Israel. Therefore the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. So here's what happens. Boaz is sitting there at the gate. And sees the next of kin just stumble down the road. He says, oh, such a man. Come here for a minute. Sit down. They got the witnesses together. Said, listen, uh, here's the land. Do you want the land? Absolutely. He said, it comes with a girl, a Moabitess girl. He said, I'm out. Now, there was some humiliation that came with this because instead of stepping up, to fulfill his duty, he stepped down. He backed out. He said, I don't want to mar my own inheritance. Now, there are several reasons probably why he rejected the offer. He liked the land, but he was embarrassed by the girl. No, I, that's not a young lady that I want to be associated with. That's not a lady that I can take to the tabernacle. That's not a lady that my family is going to be happy about. I... I just don't want that kind of association. I don't want a Moabitess. And then on top of that, he said, if we have a son, I also have other lands and other property. And then that son will also take part of my inheritance from the other children. No, you know what? This sounds to me like a bad idea. And he backed out. Now, I said all that to say this. 
there are qualifications for being a redeemer. Remember what those are. You have to be an heir kinsman. You have to be willing and you have to be able. Jesus Christ is our redeemer. Aren't you thankful that he became a near kinsman? In order to do that, he had to become flesh. John 1, 14 says this, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He had to take on flesh and become a man in order to become our kinsman redeemer. But there was a problem. There was a nearer kinsman than Jesus Christ. You say, who was that? The old man. Who could be any closer of a kinsman than the old man? You know what the old man thinks? He tries to convince you, I can redeem you. By keeping the law and doing good things and by being baptized, and he tries and offers redemption, but at some point the old man understands that redemption, the process of redemption, isn't very convenient after all. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ stepped up? He was able, he was rich in mercy, just as Boaz was a man so rich that he didn't even feel the effect of redeeming her land. Now, here's what redemption is. It's paying the price to set someone free. Christ was able. I don't think willing is a strong enough word because Christ was anxious. Every time we have lost people walk into this building and sit through a service and hear the gospel, I am anxious to see that person respond. In my heart, I'm begging God, God, if you get their attention, if you bring conviction, if you would break them free from false belief, if, if you'd help them respond to the gospel, in my heart, I'm anxious and desirous to see them give themselves to Jesus Christ. And if I'm anxious, I can't imagine how anxious Jesus Christ as a redeemer is. To see that person respond. Now, here's what I like about Boaz. From the minute he met Ruth, listen, I know she came and laid at his feet, and I know she told him, you are my near kinsman redeemer. I believe he already knew all of that. He had already done his homework. Why do you think when she said, you are my kinsman redeemer, he said, no, hold on for a minute. There's someone near of kin that I, he was already thinking about it. He was already trying to figure out a way to make this happen. He was already putting things into place. He was already wondering in his mind, why in the world is this girl taking so long? I wish he'd hurry this up. Do you know there's a God in heaven that's anxious to redeem your soul? Hard to believe that a sinner would wait that long. Hard to believe that people would sit service after service. Hard to believe that someone would read a gospel tract, hear a gospel message fall under conviction, and not respond. In God, he didn't just send Jesus Christ. He didn't just pay the price. He's not just able, capable, but he is so willing, he is anxiously waiting for the sinner to simply say, I want you, I choose you, I want a redeemer. But man is slow to respond. He's able, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, for as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. And he was willing, Hebrews 9, 12, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Boaz is simply a type 
of Jesus Christ. Now, what are we redeemed from? We're redeemed from these things. The bondage of sin primarily is what we're speaking about. How many of you have read Romans chapter 6 and 7 and 8? And Paul reminds us that we're redeemed from the slavery, the bondage of sin. Isn't it a blessing to know you can talk to someone who's been addicted to drugs, who's, who's totally messed up their life, addicted to alcohol. Sin literally has grabbed them, chained them, and kept them in a neck hold, a stranglehold that they can't break. And here's what redemption does. It frees them from that bondage. Now think about Ruth's condition for a minute because she knew without a kinsman redeemer, she had no hope. She was doomed to poverty. She might get to reach such a point where she would have to actually sell herself into slavery just to survive. She knew that. Boy, she knew her only hope was to throw herself upon the mercy of the kinsman redeemer and hope that Boaz would reach out to her and say, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to make the purchase. I'm going to redeem you from the bondage that you're just about ready to experience. How many of you remember when Christ saved you and you were dealing with the bondage of sin? He freed you from that. He freed you from poverty. He freed you from death. Look what it says in verse 10. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, look what it says, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. Ephesians 2, 1 through 4 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Aren't you glad that he redeemed you from death? And here's what he does. We're getting to the message now. We got past the introduction. I'm thankful, overwhelmed, overjoyed by redemption because there's so many benefits. Here's the first benefit of redemption. It restores life. It restores what was lost. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. When Naomi walked out with her husband and they went down to Moab, 10 years later, remember this, she said, I went out full and came back empty. She said, don't call me pleasant anymore. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. She said, I've lost everything good in my life. I've lost my home. I've lost my marriage. I lost my husband. I lost my joy. I lost my fortune. I'm about ready to lose my land. Everything good has been taken from me as a consequence of my sin. Now, here's what's amazing. Can you imagine one decision that restores all that? One decision. Now, we see just the thought of restoration, just the thought of redemption, just the thought of Boaz being a kinsman redeemer is changing Naomi. She's not grumpy anymore. She's not snippety anymore. Matter of fact, she's excited. Matter of fact, she's going to Ruth and saying, Ruth, we have hope. Ruth, get on the ball. Ruth, get down there to the threshing floor. Ruth, wake up. What are you waiting on? We finally have hope and you're dragging your feet. Let's make this happen. She's pushing her and prodding her because she knows the benefits, the change of redemption and what will take place and I think she's thinking in her head because she's seen it before. And maybe because Ruth has come from Moab, she doesn't know these laws, the laws of the kinsman redeemer. And so she doesn't know the benefits of what is about ready to happen, what is about ready to take place. But Naomi, on the other hand, 
knows, hey, everything, we've lived without hope, we have no hope, and without Boaz, our situation remains hopeless. So Ruth, bring me some hope here, gal. He's not going to look my way. That's not even going to cross his mind. But guess what? Go to the dressing floor. Lay at his feet. Ask to be redeemed. It'll change everything about our life because it'll restore everything that we have lost. Isn't it amazing to think no matter how far someone goes out into sin, no matter what kind of mess or disaster, and I know there are consequences to every decision in life, and I know sin has its consequences, but it's amazing what the grace of God, what redemption can restore. It can restore marriages. It can restore joy. It can restore relationships between children and their parents. It is amazing what redemption can do in the life of the sinner. And here's Ruth. No hope. They're putting their land up for sale. She knows she has to live off of barley, whatever she has gleaned over the past few months. Her only hope is Boaz. But restoration can take place. Here's what Jesus Christ said. Our Redeemer said, I didn't just come to give them life, John chapter 10, but I came to do what? Give them life more abundant. You know, after living the Christian life, I, I really get to the place where I feel sorry for people watching people in the lives they live. The chaos, the disaster, the sorrow, the heartache, the headache, the suffering. And you know, once they get past one obstacle, once they endure one hardship, one headache, they're just going to go from that hardship to another. It's an endless cycle of life. Can't imagine living without God. But no matter what you've lost, it doesn't matter if you get saved at 40 or 50 or 60. It doesn't matter what sin has cost you. Your Redeemer can restore what has been lost. Now, I want you to see something else in verse 11. It doesn't just change your life. It changes your destiny. I want you to think about these two ladies as they walk back into town. Naomi still has her property, but she knows she can't work her field. She doesn't have money to buy a seed. She doesn't have a husband. There's no men to work that field. She knows she's going to have to sell it. She knows it'll just be survival. That's going to be her way of life. She knows her destiny, and I think at this point, she didn't even have hope for Ruth getting married. She's a widow. Both of them were widowed, and they're thinking our life, our destiny basically is hopeless. But here's what redemption does. When he stood up, when Boaz stood up and said, you're witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's. Everything at this point has been restored. Now her destiny changes. Look what it says in verse 11. All the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is coming to thine house. Look what it says. Like Rachel, like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. You know what? Her destiny was changed from unfruitful to fruitful in one decision. Hard to be fruitful. Hard to be like Rachel and Leah. Those were the wives of Jacob. Remember the man that had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel? And they said, may you be like Rachel and Leah. May you be fruitful and have an abundant lineage. That's hard to make happen without a husband. 
Her destiny was totally changed with one decision. I want to be redeemed. And the Redeemer wanted that more than she ever wanted that. And when this marriage, this union took place, we see the result immediately became fruitfulness. Let me just say this. If you have been redeemed, uh, your destiny is fruitfulness. And if you're not fruitful, there's a problem. You have a Holy Spirit of God living inside of you that wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And if He's not producing fruit in you, if you are unfruitful as a Christian, you have a serious spiritual problem. And here's what happened. The next thing you know, she is with child. Now, who is this child? You see in verse 14, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee a what? She has had her life restored. Now she's about ready to have a baby. Uh, she is going to be fruitful, thankfully, because of this redemption. And you see the lineage, verse 21, And Salmon begat Boaz. Now, just to throw this in there, there, this isn't part of the message. How many remember that name? How many remember the spies that were sent in to Jericho? Salmon was one of those. Remember who he married? Rahab, the harlot. I wonder if Boaz was willing to reach out to Ruth, being a Moabitess, because his father was willing to reach out to a sinner saved by grace. I don't, that's just my opinion stuck right in there. Verse 21, And Boaz beget Obed, Obed beget Jesse, Jesse beget David. I want you to think about this for a minute. Their destiny was changed overnight. Little did she realize her great-great-grandson was going to be king. She suddenly, at this moment, the moment of her redemption, the moment this union took place, she was destined for the palace. Hard to imagine this girl gleaning out in a field. Listen, when, when Naomi said, go clean yourself up, go get yourself presentable, anoint yourself with oil, wash thyself, put on a new garment, put on the best that you have, you got to understand, these were still rags. They had nothing. She is gleaning. She's, she's basically trying to survive uh, in with one decision, with redemption, with being purchased, with being bought back. Not only was the land restored, she was given a husband, but now she is having a child that will be the grandfather of a king. Her destiny has changed. Aren't you glad with one decision your destiny changed? How many understood when you got born again that your destiny was hell? You knew you were without Christ, you were without hope. Your future included the lake of fire. Hard to believe with one prayer, one act of humility, with confession, with repentance, with acceptance of Christ, believing in your heart that he was the very son of God. Hard to believe at that moment your destiny changed from hell to heaven. That's pretty incredible. Boaz, the Redeemer, runs to the gate and says, let's get this settled. Oh, such a one. We don't know his name. He'd be embarrassed because Ruth has a book of the Bible written in her name. 
a legacy. Talked about, thought about, preached about, and who's the forgotten one? The kinsman redeemer that backed out. And Boaz, the type of Christ, step, steps up, pays the price, more than willing, he is anxious. And at that moment, everything in their lives changed. Go with me to Matthew chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5. We'll read two more texts and be finished this morning. Matthew 1, verse 5. Hard to believe her lineage not only included David the king, but also the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 1, 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. Then you see, after these generations, the birth, verse 18, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Luke 2, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age. She had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for this lady, this widow who had waited for the coming of the Messiah now begins to prophesy and speak about those that look for the redemption of Israel. The redemption had come through the lineage of Ruth, the Moabites, grafted in. Think about this for a minute. Hard to believe that we're not Jews and we've been grafted in. Take someone like Rahab, Ruth, Someone has no business being in Israel. No business being in the tabernacle. I can't imagine as a Moabite knowing for 10 generations. You'd have to spend 10 generations in Israel just to be able to walk into the tabernacle. And here's Ruth. I know that I made a good decision. And when Naomi asked me, hey, what direction do you want to go? I chose to go back to Bethlehem. I chose to lay at the feet of Boaz. I chose to make a decision, seek a redeemer, and it changed my life. But hold on for a second. She had a sister-in-law named Orpah. Do you remember as they were turning to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, Naomi looked at those two girls and said, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about what you're giving up. I want you to think about this decision to go that way. I want you to think for a minute before you make your choice. And Orpha took a look and she meditated her mind. She said, no, look what I'd be giving up. I'd be giving up my family. What little is left. I'd be giving up what I know in my culture. I'd be giving up the good things, the best things. Listen, all she'd known is pain but she took a look back when she had to make a choice. She said, I think the world is a better place for me than Bethlehem. Now let me ask you this. Think about those two girls, how different their end was. I wonder. 
wonder how often Ruth thought back of Orpah and the decision she had made. I wonder if Ruth ever had an opportunity to see her again, speak to her again. I wonder if she ever sent a letter, invited her to come. I wonder if she ever said, hey, I've got a nice place. We only have 12 or 15 guest rooms. You can pick uh, wherever you want to stay. What a poor choice. Have you ever thought about when you were stuck in that decision, should I get saved, should I not get saved, that confusion, you, you'd been taught something else and now you're hearing that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not works. It doesn't depend upon anything else. And that mental struggle that took place, aren't you glad now looking back saying, Thank God at some point I fell under conviction. I made the right choice because you see now how redemption changed your life. But you've also seen people in the same spot, family members, friends, friends at work that were confronted by the same decision. Like Orpha, they took a look back. They said, what's this going to cost me? What's it going to cost? It's almost going to cost you nothing. What are you giving up? Look what you're embracing. You're changing your future. You're changing your destiny. You're exchanging everything that's wrong in your life for everything that could be right in your life. You're changing bad for good. And yet men struggle. Here's what's sad. In this building this morning, there are still souls that are struggling with redemption. Never been born again. Never been redeemed. Christ is willing, he's more than willing, he's anxious. God is so anxious to see you saved. And he's been waiting week after week, month after month, service after service, waiting for you to respond. Let me ask you this. How many nights do you think Boaz lay down and said, I wonder if Ruth's ever going to make up her mind. I wonder if she's ever going to overcome her insecurities, her fears, her doubts, and simply make and take that step that could change her life. And there's Boaz. I guarantee you Boaz was down at the city gate before it ever got light. And he was saying, I want to take care of this. I guarantee you he was going to talk that other man out of any idea he might have had in an instant. Why? He wanted to step up and be the Redeemer. And Jesus Christ, today, is saying the same. I want to redeem you, but it's your choice. What a mistake it'd be this morning to walk out of here not having chosen Jesus Christ as your personal Redeemer. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.